0: Hi everyone, Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent. And guess what, John? We've got no Troy here.
1: I'm devastated. Show as much as we love you to death. It's not the same without Troy.
0: It's not the same. I never
1: thought I'd say it, but I actually miss him.
0: Yeah, well I can tell you, Troy's the sort of guy that's gonna listen to this podcast <laughs> six times and then he's gonna get other people to listen to it and say, Is it as good as is it as good <laughs> as when, when I'm around? But um, He has
1: become a legend, Troy, in these podcasts, so I'm delighted, but I'm very... In fact, Lauren Hall, Lauren will be listening to this. She is one of the very valuable team members at our Brisbane team at Wyndham Manly. Lauren sent in an email, and she said, basically, Tom, why don't you guys do video of the podcast? Because she said we'd like to actually... Because I actually watch it in a sales meeting, while they're at a sales meeting, or listen to it, sorry. And she said we would like to watch it. Now I thought that was quite encouraging, and I thought well, I'll bring that into this podcast as a good idea. But then she said, not to be rude, but I, su- I suggest that Troy should not appear because he may not look, may may not have you and Tom look particularly good. So okay. I was offended by the end of it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Lauren, if you're listening, I want to <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for the tip, particularly the tip about you know. Uh, worrying about John <laughs> and I's appearance <laughs> and making a suggestion that we shouldn't have... Um, it's rude. Uh, 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 Troy there, right? So uh, Fortunately,
1: we have very thick skin, Lauren, so we'll take the positive part of the email and we'll take on board the possibility for a... Uh video podcasts? I think it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing,
0: John. One of the things that I hear a lot of our listeners say is they love doing two things at the one time. So it appears a lot of people that listen to Million Dollar Agent podcasts, and whilst Troy's not here today, we know that we're at about 7,000 listeners each podcast. People do them while they're at the gym, while they're driving. Mm. They seem to do two things at the one time, and they like using the learning time um, and not just sitting in front of a computer. But I also understand that... Because of the lack of sales training around Australia, a lot of people, John, use these podcasts as their sales meetings.
1: Yeah, and and one of the great things about our flexible mobile industry is that you can literally do a university semester whilst in your car during the year. So I think that's probably why we haven't done video to date, but I think it'd be nice to do the odd one and we'll just keep Troy behind the camera as usual. In fact, he'll be the cameraman. That way, we're guaranteed to not have you spoil our shot.
0: Well, John, and I can tell you, when we do it, we're going to get everything done. We're going to, you know, get the <laughs> facials done, the makeups no. done. We're going to look good, Lauren. Great tan. We're Lauren. all ready to go. Lauren, watch this space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, we have Sarah here. Sarah is in the room. She's our special guest here today. She is um, Phil Harris's uh, assistant and uh, has come up here to shadow some of our team members. So. She's telling us all the dirt on you, Phil, as you're listening in here. We know all your secrets now, so uh, we're looking forward to telling those as well as we go forward.
0: Welcome, Sarah. So, uh, John, today, as we said at our last podcast, we're going to do our next two podcasts on Q&A from the audience. We've got a lot of questions that have come in. We're going to try and handle three this week and three next week. Um, Some of these questions, the people want to remain anonymous because they're currently working and they scared that you know, it might affect their current employment conditions. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, if you were wanting to commence your own business, what steps would you need to do? Which people do you need to surround yourself? And who should you get advice from? This uh, came in um, from someone on social media on a private message. They've asked me to um, uh, withhold their name and we've also got a second question which is i've been in the industry for a year now as a pa and a buyer specialist and i love everything about real estate i've responded well to the industry i believe i have what it takes to become a great agent i'm going to take the step in january and go out on my own what are the crucial things i should be doing in the first year and further what would you suggest some of my kpis are John they're um, similar in one respect that both people are making a transition from their current roles one's opening up a real estate office the other person is moving from being a PA or an admin support or buyer support and they're going out on their own so let's talk about what are the things that these people need to be doing right now for their next step.
1: I think the first one Tom for the first person that's considering or about to open their own office, which I certainly don't discourage. But I think you've got to ask yourself nowadays, is that the right decision and step? Because there are a lot of people that are great salespeople. You move them into the world of running a business, not so great. Um, Maybe they're not technically proficient. Maybe they haven't got the capital to start. I think you've really got, I mean, one of the beauties of real estate, Tom, as you and I know, is you can actually have a business within a business. Yeah. In fact, you know, at offices like Phil's and our offices and Marshall White and so many around the country, there are people that are generating two, three, four, five million dollars in income yeah. uh, without the stress of running a business, running their own team of people with effective margins, retaining a lot of their profit, um, without having all that burden of running a, a real estate business. And I think you know you just got to ask yourself the question: Why are you doing it? Because mo- the average real estate office in this country is making well less than a million dollars. That's with a team of people yeah. and all the stresses that go with that. So the first thing I would just say is check that it that that's the right thing for you to do. Yeah. That that's your expertise. If you know that you're a brilliant salesperson um, and that's that's your your gift, and you're not so good on on organizing stuff and coaching people and attracting people and and all the other activities that go with a principal in a small business, you might actually want to think about
0: that.
1: So, so John, we've talked about it in another podcast, and that
0: was 20 years ago, there was two models in real estate. You're a great salesperson, and the next step was you became the principal of a business. Mm -hmm. And that's what you chose to do, John. You went off and set up a real estate office. Today, there is actually a third model, and that model is the effective business unit. Now, yesterday, I had a guy that emailed me two, three weeks ago, John, and I actually forwarded you the email, Michael Coombs. Yes. And he came in, and we did a video blog. Now, Michael Coombs wrote $2.3 million in GCI. He wrote $2.3 million in GCI ...as an effective business unit. Five years into the business, has no intentions to open up a real estate office, very happy dealing with buyers and sellers, has a team of two or three people. That's his life. That's what he likes doing, transacting real estate. He doesn't want to be a coach and mentor to other staff. He doesn't want to be an admin manager. And the option out there for people that want to set up an office is agreeing what John says... Do you really want to open up a business, or really do you want to go to the next level? because we, the next it could level you. And,
1: and, and Michael has done that, and Tom encouragingly, I think for a number of people that are listening, a few years ago, and Mike will be the first person to tell you this. he works in our in our neutral bay office, uh, and, and sorry focuses on Mossman. Um, Mike was a good agent, not a great agent. He has actually undergone an extreme makeover to create for himself a great business. And, and he's really, he'll be on track to do, I would imagine, three plus million, which is more than most real estate officers ever dream of doing. Um, so I, I do think that there's, there's that option to consider why not grow your business where you are. Having said that, if you're still committed to and you see it's the right way for you, what do you have to do? Well, I think the success of a real estate business, so it's not just you, is your ability to attract the right people. So you would want to have strong connections strong network of people within the industry that you think that you would be able to have come and work with you. Because yeah. otherwise you may as well just stay where you're at. If it's just going to be you and yeah. an assistant, so you know you really want, want a whole group of people around you. So I think you've got to be pretty confident that you would be able to attract good quality people to come and work with you. Then of course you need some strong advice up front as to how do you set your business up and, and structure it uh, financially, um, the way it all runs and yeah, and good accountants nowadays are more than good accountants. They actually, and Anthony Bell's been ours for many years, and Anthony has become not only a friend, but a professional business advisor in, in many different things. So I think you want someone that can help you structure the business, um, the commissions, the the, the costings, um, the, the, the actual structure of the entity, all of those things. So you want to get that right up front. I mean, I remember I talked about it last week, or a few weeks ago, Tom, when we were debriefing Eric, where Chip Eichelberger said, you've got to get the first row plum before yeah. you build the wall. Yeah. So I think you need to get the structure right, you need to have the funding right, you need to have your advisory team right, so good, good legal advice, good accounting advice. Then it's, what is your ability to honestly attract good people to come and work for you? Yeah. And uh, that's the real question. If you can't answer that question well, you might wanna stay where you are for the time being until you can answer that confidently. Okay, that's
0: very good, John. Part two, the person that's moving from a PA to becoming a sales agent on their own. What should they be doing? They're gonna do this in January, so we're in September now. What should they be doing September, October, November? What are the crucial things I should be doing in my first year, they say? What are the KPIs?
1: Um, what's, What's the advice you'd give to this person? It's interesting. In fact, Sarah and I were talking about this in the car earlier today, that it's funny. Some people who are amazing CSMs or assistants go into sales and become amazing salespeople. Others go into sales and they fail. It is a different environment working under a sales team or as a part of an EBU to actually going out on your own and doing your own thing and driving your business and having everything hang off your efforts and, uh, and your ability to achieve the success. So I think, you know, again, you just need to check, is, is it the right time for you? Um, then you need to build a pipeline of business because the, the question is, who do you know that can refer your business Um, create a business networking group, what are your centres of influence Um, and you've got to get out there and you've got to convince them that now you are the person to send the business to. Because a lot of people under the the, uh, I guess the umbrella of a good business they're a great PA but can you make the transition to be a great agent? So I think again very similar to opening up an office Tom, you've got to surround yourself with good people, you've got to build a pipeline of business um, so the only the only KPIs that really matter at the end of the day, are what is the size of your pipeline and what's your conversion ratio? Yeah because the other things you know you can develop over the years, and you know, do I think an effective business probably should have a degree of auction within their business? Yeah, I do. I think that auction and vendor paid promotions and marketing are an important part of a successful business today. So question is what is your listing skill and what is your ability to make clients see the benefits of promoting their property fully because that's a really vital part and a skill in today's. Then is, you know, what are your skills around auction conversion? I mean, my view is if you're not selling 75% of your auctions at or before auction, that's just not good enough. Someone gives you a credit card imprint for $5,000 or $10,000 and gives you 30 days to sell their home, and you're not selling at least three out of four by that 30 days' time, I think that that KPI means you need to be better at listing and managing expectations and negotiating, those sort of things. So, you know, I think that <clears throat> some of those KPIs down the track, but the real KPI is, you know, do you have the ability to build a pipeline? And yeah. I think if you can answer that question with honesty and confidence, well, it's probably a good time to go into it.
0: This morning, John, we were doing a training session for the Edgecliff uh, and Kujie group here, and as part of the training, we did a Q&A with um, uh, Ben Collier, Adrian Bowe, um, um, and... Um, oh... Who looks after Alexandria?
1: Brad Brad, Brad Brad, Gillespie.
0: And we had a guy from the Coogee office, Charles, who's been in real estate for three, four years. I asked him this question, how many people in your database? 21,000. He said, that's been my strategy. Mm -hmm. He's got about 10,000 buyers, 11,000 potential vendors. So what I'd say to the person that wanted to remain anonymous, just understand, feed the database. Understand that hard work pays off in the future. Um, laziness pays off now and probably understand the concept that you will talk to people today that won't become a listing today they'll become a listing
1: tomorrow Co- correct and a quick shout out to Adrian Bogue yesterday 20 years with our business he was with us which is fantastic exciting I mean having anyone for a year or 10 or 20 is, is I, I see as a great blessing so, um, yeah, terrific. He said to me, you know, do I get a gold watch or something? And I said, well, do I get a medal? Because I've had to put up with him for 20 years. And
0: Correct. He- <laughs> yeah. So, Adrian Bo, guess what? John has a last word here. And he's told 7,000 people. <laughs> Okay, um, we're going to finish off with one quick question that came through, and I think we can answer this in about 60 seconds. It's a nice, straightforward question. It came from Richard, which is, would you go against everyone saying no to attempting something if you believe that you can achieve it, or do you actually follow their advice? It's regarding his career. Um, John, you're a big believer that one of the success qualities of people is Mm self-belief, of backing yourself. Um, a lot of the times when people say that you can't do something, they're really saying that they can't do it themselves and mm-hmm. they're giving you the advice they'd give themselves. What's, what, what would you say to
1: Richard? Um, I think when people give you warnings or advice that they don't think you can do it, I think you can actually use that in a positive. You can say, I would really love your feedback Tom, tell me more about your view. Because I think sometimes there's self-confidence and belief, which is a critical trait. But there's also naivety where someone that actually does have a clue that is caring for you is giving you some advice around perhaps how you can better prepare for the next stage. So I wouldn't shun the advice. I'd listen to it and I'd say, look, I'm really confident about my ability to transition to this role or to open my own business, whatever it is. But I'd love your feedback as to why you have concerns because I know you care for me because most people that are giving you those advice do care for you. And then I think you take it on board, and then you assess it. But at the end of the day, we've got to remember that the majority of the world is not in high success mode. With respect, most people in this industry are not earning big dollars. Um, they're probably not loving their life in the industry, as some of our, our email um, people have said that they are loving it. But a lot of people, that are, as you say, Tom, that they're really imposing on you their own self-limiting beliefs. Mm. So you've got to be careful about that. But I think you can sometimes listen to them and take on board and then say, so if you're worried about something, even if someone hasn't said it, if you're worried about something, put it down and say, okay, what am I worried about? Why am I worried? And is this a valid reason that I need to change strategy or upskill myself? If someone's about to start a real estate office and they have zero money in the bank, I would be probably counselling that person and saying, hey, you know, you need to have some working capital and you need to have some buffer money. So if something goes wrong and that's actually not a limiting belief, that's a reality. So I think you've got to actually differentiate between limiting beliefs and negativity and cynicism and then just make your own decision. But overall Richard, I think if you're committed to it, if you believe in yourself, if you've done your research, you've done your homework, you've just got to you've got to make it happen. Okay. So that's
0: the end of our Q&A questions from our audience, John, it's been great having you here. I can't help but seeing you've had a positive step in you ever since the Rabbitohs have had this amazing
1: run. One game to go. In fact, if we win this week, the chance that will finish as minor premiers, which is the first time in, I think, 21 years. And then, of course, we're two games away from uh, winning the grand final. So I know that all 7,000 people support the Rabbitohs, so you'll be cheering with me. And, Tom, the Tigers... Anything to say there?
0: Yeah, John, we're in rebuilding stage. We've we've made the decision that we're not going to participate in the final eight this year. But I'd like to tell every Tiger supporter now, and in fact every other club that's going to be playing us next year, you'll be playing a different Tiger side. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Um, We've had a great guest in. Thank you. Send our regards to Adelaide. And just for our listeners there, I've got to tell you, there's a guy called Tom Hector that works at Bill Harris. Genius. 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 And Uh, a lovely guy. Yeah. Average sale price is roughly about four dollars or 500000 and he writes a million dollars, and he's got an effective business unit. So what we talk about today doesn't apply only for South Yarra and Double Bay. You should check him out. He's a good man. Thank you so much. We'll speak to you next week.